Welcome to Just One More Thing, a podcast about Columbo. Each show, we look at a different episode of the, I'll say it, beloved 70s mystery program. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. On this episode, we're discussing Short Fuse. Originally broadcast in January 1972, directed by Edward M. Abrams, written by Lester Pine, Tina Pine, and Jackson Gillis, and starring Roddy McDowell, James Gregory, Ida Lupino, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And each program, we're joined by a special guest to help us talk about the show. Uh, this time around, we've got two, Chris Sims and Matt Wilson, co-hosts of the War Rocket Ajax and Movie Fighters podcasts. But before we bring them on, John, uh, what happened? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, Roddy McDowell plays hyper-intelligent Wunderkind, heir to a chemical fortune, and silly string enthusiast Roger Stanford, whose evil uncle, police inspector Frank Luger from Barney Miller, is trying to force him out of the company which his father founded. Deciding to snuff his awful uncle, Stanford takes a page out of the Three Stooges playbook and opts to knock him off with the old trick stogie routine. <laughs> yes, he waits for his uncle to get in his car, then knocks him off with a rubber cigar. It was loaded and exploded. And now, Columbo must solve the crime while suspended <laughs> 2,000 feet in the air. Oh my goodness. Well, Chris, Matt, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm very... Very excited. Well, I got to ask, like, uh, you guys, had, had you really watched uh, Columbo much before uh, we asked you to be a part of the program? I had seen some here and there. I okay. mainly know uh, Columbo through two people, or two sets of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, one of them, is one of them Peter Falk? Well, no, I don't know <laughs> Peter Falk personally. Fair, fair enough. Thank you, uh, I, I was not... I was not I did not have the pleasure of knowing the man. We, we, were, we, were, ho- we were trying to hope for like a good anecdote, but uh, oh well. <laughs> uh, no, one, one set of people is my grandparents, yeah. which uh, when I would go to my grandparents' house in my youth, it always seemed like one of like three TV shows were always on the TV. Uh, they were Perry Mason, mm-hmm. In the Heat of the Night, <laughs> and Columbo. Huh. And so I I remember Columbo being on all the time and kind of getting a sense of it, get, like very much getting a feel of Columbo the character. Huh. But I don't remember a ton of plots okay. uh, from the show. And then uh, my friend Ben Gully, who I've known for years and years, is one of the biggest Columbo fans uh, maybe on the planet. Oh, he wow. watches, watches Columbo all the time. So uh, I know a lot about Columbo through him. But I've never actually like sat down and done that like binge watch thing on Netflix with Columbo. Although after watching this episode for this podcast, I'm really kind of like compelled to do it. Are you like listening, this... Netflix? <laughs> We'd like some advertising dollars. We sent you a customer. I, I knew we could appeal to the, the rabid collector instinct of the pop culture fan. And to, grandparents. To... And grandparents to right. acquire everything, so you have to now watch every single Columbo episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat as Matt as far as that goes. Uh, now that I'm done watching all 800 episodes of Power Rangers, <laughs> I've been floundering <laughs> and figuring out what to watch on Netflix. Uh, and I feel like Columbo is a. I'm probably after watching the episodes that we uh, the episode that we watched for the show. I'm probably going to end up watching 
at, at least more of it, if not all of it. Well, what's, uh, what's really interesting is how few episodes there actually are. I know there yeah, are some that are not on Netflix. Uh, yeah, the ones that were in the uh, 80s and 90s aren't on there at all. Yeah. I have a lot but, of questions about that. <laughs> the, the, they're actually, I mean, I, I was surprised. Uh, like this is something I never actually knew about Columbo is that they're they're the by, in terms of length and structure they're almost like all these TV movies rather right, yeah. than episodes of a of a TV series where you know in the US you get like 20 21 22 episodes per season and you know this is maybe 7 or 8 which well, yeah, is yeah this was part so of that, different. that odd thing they were doing uh, NBC was doing in the 1970s was this NBC mystery movie they would run it two nights a week and they would rotate through different characters each week so you only had about like uh, six to eight episodes a season of these like three or four different shows they just throw back and forth and just make these movies with these people it was it was kind of a really odd idea but kind of neat not yeah. always as good as Columbo, snoop sisters but you know it was still an interesting experiment for a while yeah yeah uh up until uh two days ago Mm -hmm. I had never watched an episode of Columbo. Oh, jeez. Wow. And, and, and we were talking about before the show. Uh, now, since then, you've seen, like, what, three or something? Like, where are the other ones you, you, you caught for this? Uh, I, watched, I watched three and a half. Oh, wow. And I've, now, I, I have to ask you guys, are you uh, – I'm going to out myself as someone who hasn't listened to the show before. That's I apologize. <laughs> That's Fair fine. Enough. Neither have I. Are you, guys, are you guys doing these in order, like, starting with season one? No, Or are you no. skipping around? We're, we're skipping around all over the place. That's what we did. Yeah. I think you okay. said you saw um, – the Johnny Cash one, Swan Song. Yes, right? that was the first one I watched. That's like, the first one we did, and that's like season six, I think. That's the first one we did for season. Yeah, three. and it's really good. Yeah, yeah, we like it. Like, yeah, we're kind of starting. That show is a scumbag. Yeah, we're starting. <laughs> we're starting with the good ones, and then by the time we get to the end, we'll be very tired and not wanting to do the show anymore, probably. Although I'm going to say this again, I'm going to make you watch the one with George, George Wendt. Wendt. I know, yeah, which is easily the worst episode in history. Maybe of all time. Just do that really one and get it over that. with. For crying out loud, good lord! Oof, well, here's what upset me. Yes, uh, I, I immediately gravitated to the the two guest stars that represent people that I love from other things. So I mm -hmm. I watched the the Johnny Cash episode first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I watched uh, By the Dawn's Early Light, which is the Patrick McGowan episode. Yes. One of one of oh, no. at least two? Three. Oh, three. Three, yeah. And then he was in a couple, one or two of the uh, 90s ones, too, and he directed a few also. Yeah. The guy was all over. Uh, I got to see those. He's all over. told me that there's one that's that's full of prisoner references. Yeah, I think the, it's the one where he's a, uh, he's an ex-spy, and yeah. Leslie Nielsen tries outing him as a spy. And, oh my God! It's got Patrick McGowan and Leslie. Yes, Nielsen. And it's, then, it's back before Leslie Nielsen was doing comedy, so he's he's still a straight actor at the time. Yeah, oh. but yeah, so I, guess, but I guess awkward. I, but I guess, <laughs> but I guess McGowan actually says "be seeing you" a couple of times, and yeah, just yeah, there's a whole bunch of yeah, just callbacks to the Prisoner, which was I a love, wildly popular show in the 1970s <laughs> in America. So, I love uh, I, I love serious actor Leslie Nielsen. Because uh, he played the villain in the Evil Knievel movie, Viva Knievel. Oh, is that the one with George Hamilton? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah, I know yeah, it's yeah. the the Evil Knievel, and they're going to ship cocaine back to America, Evil Knievel's coffin. Oh, my They God. try to kill him during a stunt in Mexico. Uh, but I'm very, I'm very upset, because oh, after those two, uh, before I realized that I should probably watch the one that we were going to talk about, there's one with Julie Newmar. 
yes. that we're not watching. Oh, yeah. We almost <laughs> we almost gave you that one. We oh, we, sure. we gave you another Batman villain alum. Yes. Uh, with Roddy McDowell, but I, I will I will break your heart a little further by telling you that uh, for no reason there's a lengthy scene in that episode where Julie Newmar does yoga. Oh, I'm gonna look, guys. Sorry, it's Chris. been fun. So, Matt Wilson, what did you think of McDowell's pants in this episode? Yeah, Yeah, that's uh, so. Well, let's talk about short fuse then. Um, That's one thing. uh, When we were uh, picking out episodes to do, someone I'd seen online had posted a still from this one with uh, the scene in the office with Anne Francis and Columbo and Roddy McDowell in in those weird blue pants and the puffy pirate blue shirt Mm -hmm. and the pants are the most 70s tight, disturbing pants I've seen in my life, I think. And it's like, I don't want to do this episode. And then, well, here we are. Here we are tonight. So, yeah, his wardrobe in this was interesting. Roddy McDowell's, I thought, was kind of creepy and odd. Well, I think Roddy McDowell's character in general is super hard to pin down. Yes. Uh, I fucking hate him. Because, (laughs) because... You get the sense, like the, from the very first time you see him, that he's supposed to be the, this eccentric, right? Right. Like he's 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 got he like goes into the story behind his the business that he works for and that he's like his, his family business is also super complicated. Like his dad started it, but then he died, so that it went to his aunt, who is married to this American businessman who then actually became like the CEO and president of the company who is like ordering him around all the time. Right. But he's like the, the kid who's the, the, the son of the founder who like hangs around. Mm. Yeah. So he's, he's goes into the office. The first thing we see him do is go into the office where people are trying to work and he just starts spraying everyone with silly string, trying to freak out the streets, the wage trying slaves, to freak out the streets. And, but he, oh, he, oh, they just, they just with him. Specifically targeting the one black woman yes. right, in the office. Yeah. Yes. She has an afro. That's when we're like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> well, but, he wears these weird clothes, mm-hmm. like this kind of piratey shirt all the time. But his demeanor is super calculating. Mm-hmm. And and like like he doesn't even laugh all that much. And even when he does laugh, it's almost maniacal. It's well, and, not... And I think the thing essentially the costuming too is as soon as he gets rid of everybody in his way and he's the uh, the head of the company, he takes it over, bam, the crazy clothes are gone, black suit. Black suit, yeah. vest and tie and everything else, all business. But still kind of pretending at it. There's a great scene when... Um, Columbo and William Wyndham are coming into the office. And he's like frantically looking around. Oh, I need a folder. She's like, oh, I'm working, everybody. Look, oh, look at me working. Huh, I've got a folder looking at files. I'm a businessman. Here I go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, but there's it's, it's almost like everything, everything he, like, is he's just wearing as a, as a disguise. Well, like, there's, you don't ever really get a sense of real him other than he's, like, this conniving schemer. Well, think like, like, of like, he comes off as a sociopath. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Immediately. Scene when, when, one. What? When like he goes from, from uh, the. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's a uh, a a a silly string hate crime. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> uh, like directly there, he goes into the office, and uh, the first thing that the uh, the 
the woman in the office asked him, you didn't develop those pictures, did you? Oh, yeah. So, and I'm like, oh, my God. So yeah. What kind oh. of creep are we dealing with? Huge, there's, yeah, there's, there's an interesting... A, there's a nudie picture leak plot yeah. in this episode. Yes, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly timed. <It's> very, <laughs> this episode is very complicated, and I feel like uh, watching the, the, the swan song, watching Johnny Cash uh, for the first time, I was really surprised because... Uh, I I hadn't realized that they were as long as they are, like we talked about earlier. Right. That they're you know slotted for a ninety minute, I guess, time slot. Right? So at one point you think, well, I have to wrap this up pretty soon. I mean, it's already been forty minutes. Yeah, but then they've got a yeah, lot I feel more like, time to breathe. Especially because I, uh, uh, I guess last year or the year before, I I really got into the Rockford Files. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, which I think there's. I think there are comparisons to be made, obviously, because they're both you know, TV detective dramas. Mm. Uh, but specifically in the way that the characters sort of go about finding their leads and tricking their <laughs> tricking their targets. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, with Swan Song. Like halfway through, I realized, like, oh, okay, it's a movie. I got it. It's a movie. It's a TV movie with Johnny Cash as the bad guy and versus Columbo. Which isn't that with a great one, description? That's a good log line. TV movie exactly. with Johnny, Johnny Cash as a villain in Colombo. Very neat. There you go. Johnny Cash playing Johnny Cash songs Great by money. Johnny Cash. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then this one, I this one was just like, okay, this is this is a forty-five minute plot that they, that they needed to extend. Yeah, there's really there's definitely a feeling in this one. Yeah, there's a feeling in this one that they it's it moves at a real languorous pace. And I was talking to RJ before the show about this. Moves at a real languorous pace until he breaks into Quincy's house, at which point they throw like ten new plot points at you real quick. Yes, and then move and him then out. It becomes, and then it becomes where eagles dare in the final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there is this like weird moment where like you, this thing this doesn't get explained to you that Roddy McDowell is trying to frame the chauffeur Quincy. Right. Yeah. It's you just kind of have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Where he's like he's like uh, planting this typewriter that he's like put a message into that he wants the cops to find, and then apparently he's been planting evidence all over the place. Oh yeah, right. the entire time. Yeah. It turns he's, out he's he's really targeted. complicated. He's yeah. targeting. He planted, uh... he planted a fake note in his uncle's suit pocket. The guy, the guy's got a doctorate in chemistry. He's got a law degree. He's got three or four other degrees. He's he's really smart, but he's a smart and he's a bored guy. So he's got time to think about this stuff and just because he's just been wealthy, bored. His parents died early. And there, there was one thing. Like the first time I saw this, I kept thinking, like, okay, when when the writers did this, did they have somebody younger in mind? Because he just seemed like the the act, like because Roddy McDowell was like forty three when they did this. So like, hey, he seems kind of old for this. I was thinking, like, well, no, maybe he's not. Maybe that is kind of better because it makes it creepier that he hasn't grown up and he's still just screwing around in his 40s, this idle, rich genius. I definitely feel like he's playing younger, though. Like, even but, just in but I think I think just he's just I think he's just kind of immature. And I think, um, well, I mean, I, the, the secretary at one point asked him, like, oh, why do you have to play the fool all the time? I think that's part of it. Right. Yeah, definitely. But you know it, there's also this sense that like he's he was like this young, perhaps fun loving guy who curdled. Yes. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yes. The, the party, like, the party went on too long, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Because he he gets no joy from the silly string. None. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That fellow asks him. Did, did, 
<laughs> and it's called Silly String. It's you for should. enjoyment. He only gets drunk uh, from it when uh, Col- it blows like, up in Columbo's face, which is a weird right. scene. Oh, my but God. Like, he's yeah, really, like, that's he bizarre. Columbo with it. He sprays Columbo with it, and Columbo's like, what's this stuff? Oh, he Columbo doesn't sprays it. himself. That's somehow. the weirdest that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Columbo, like, turns the can around, accidentally sprays himself, but continues to accidentally spray himself for a good 15 <laughs> seconds. Yes. There's certainly, at some point, he should have gone, what? And let it go, but he Especially comes out. as a police officer. He comes he's out looking like sick you. this. Looks like Sigmund the Sea Monster when he's done. Like, it's it's, it's always this weird role reversal. It's always this weird role reversal where like Roddy McDowell is just like Columbus is like, what's that stuff? And Roddy McDowell's like, I don't know. It's some kind of. It's supposed to be for fun. And <laughs> Columbo is like secretly in his head like, this stuff's great. I can't get enough. There's a super weird moment in that opening scene where he comes in and sprays all the poor uh, ladies in the secretarial pool, uh, and the, there's like the old dude comes out. Oh, and he's like, and he's like, did you invent this? And I'm right. watching this and going, going, of course he didn't invent it. It's silly string. And then I had to think, of, like, and then I had to realize, okay, wait, is this is this the late '60s? Is silly string actually was silly string a known quantity? That's actually a question. Maybe it wasn't. I, I was actually, I was wondering if uh, if that was that was legal's decision because uh, hmm. it's it would have made more sense for him to have invented it. To prove that he's a chemical genius, but I was wondering if silly string being new on the market, if the only way they could legally use it was if they made it a point to mention that someone else invented it, like the inventors at home going, "Roddy McDowell better not take credit for this shit." My blood, sweat, and tears went into that silly string. So, uh, uh, so I, I want to go back to the topic of the pacing for this for a second. Yeah, sure. There are parts where the pacing is like. Okay, let's move this along. There are parts where the pacing is like, wow, a lot just happened, and I have to catch up. Yeah, I know. A lot of it's just like there's these information dumps out of nowhere after nothing going on for a long time. They'll say, oh, well, all of a sudden he planted something in his dead uncle's suits. Oh, well, here's some photos of the uncle that he's doctored with the nude lady and everything. It's like all in like 30 seconds. Like, oh, well, uh, okay. Yeah. But then there are some parts where like there's there's some room to breathe where I was really happy that they got to do that. Um, and the one scene I'm thinking of in particular is just like the best Columbo character moment. Oh, which one? And it's when he is on the, the tram that goes up the mountain. Oh yes. To the cabin where, uh, uh, Roddy McDowell's uncle was going when he got, when his car got blown up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And while he's on the tram, there's just this scene where like the, the door opens up, the uh, sheriff, the sheriff's deputy, is, like leads him out, and we see Columbo like, very hesitantly. Oh, I know it's great. Walking, walking off the tram, and kind of holding the rail, and being like just super scared of heights. He's clearly terrified to be up there. Yeah, but no scene where he say. At no point does he say, "Hey, I'm scared of heights." Like at no point does he do the monk thing, where it's like I'm scared of heights, I'm scared of heights, I'm scared of heights. Yeah, because this came up before we talked about uh, actually the episode you just saw, Chris um, Swan Song, where um, the whole thing involves an airplane, and that comes up again too, where he's just afraid of going in the airplane and everything. And like the I think the FAA guy says, you know, like oh you go in airplane, yeah, I'm, I don't even like being this tall, you know, the whole thing. So it's like this nice thing they keep coming back line. to every so often. Great line. Yeah, yeah. The nice thing they keep coming back to every so often. And I was glad it was kind of established back here for season. You can say they remembered it and kept yeah. it as part of the character. Yeah. But it, but it's like, the, it, I don't know if it's a thing where it's like the writers 
it's a different time where the writers respect the audience more or they oh, okay. simply have more time to show it instead of have the character outright say it. Right, because it's kind yeah, of played for laughs, but not entirely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might also There's be- that whole scene where he's on his way up in the cable car that I'm actually watching right now, and it's so, it's such a long scene. Oh yeah, and it's so good. It's mm-hmm. great because like, he's just sitting there in complete silence, looking so uncomfortable. Like it is, it is a genuinely amazing little bit of performance. But, like yeah, I, not like, I literally out, only knew just... Peter Falk from The Princess Bride before oh, okay. I watched this, and like wow. I, now I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's a legit amazing actor. Yes, no, he's great. Yeah, yeah. There's a possibility too that because uh, we've had there's three writers on this episode, so it's hard to pin down who did what. But Falk is a is like you say a hell of an actor, so it's possible this was a scene or this was something that he insisted on. Because he had a good grip on Columbo. He brought a lot of uh, his influences to it. And he uh, even directed a few episodes. So I'm sure he, he was able to get a scene or two to his liking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get the sense from this that Falk had Columbo down mm-hmm. from oh, shot one, early. scene one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you, yeah. Ever, if you get a chance to see the, the pilot episode, which is way back in 68, he's, he's almost fully formed. He's like 75%. Com- uh, what you know is Columbo. The, the stu- his like, suit's I'd, just a <clears throat> That's it. Yeah. The suit's a little pinker. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, I, like, I, don't, I don't know that they have the formula down just yet. Mm-hmm. For like, you know, here's how the mystery plays out. Or here, well, there's, there's no mystery in Columbo. Right. Cause, you know, <laughs> but like, here's how the plot plays out. Yeah. Because this one's a little bit convoluted, but like, as far as the character Columbo itself, bit. like, he is there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's got a lot of his nice, like, um, well, nice, the humbleness, the nice ticks, and also the kind of playing a bit dumb to let, once again, the murderer just kind of think he's a bit dimmer than he is and just keep putting out more and more and more rope and letting the murderer pretty much say, oh, well, maybe it happened this way, or maybe it happened this way. They get way too confident in it and actually pushing him even farther in the right direction as to what happened and how he did it. There is something different with this, with this bad guy, too, on account of you you might be forgiven for thinking he had cause at the beginning of the episode to murder his uncle and his driver, which I guess is actually an innocent dude, but, yeah. uh, or he, he was spying on him. So you might be forgiven because he's trying to force him out of the company that his father founded. He's, uh, you, uh, you get flat out told that, uh, another high ranking executive in the, in the company thinks that the company's being run in a criminal fashion. But by the end of the episode, oh, he's, Roddy, just, a, he's just a dick. He yeah. gets more and more evil, and that that doesn't often happen with the Columbo villains. They usually lay all their motives out right at the beginning, and then you see them try to cover it up for an episode. But he adds to it as he goes. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he, then like he just the, just the Johnny Cash one, like uh, starts off with uh, Johnny Cash's wife in the show. Like blackmailing him, right? <laughs> because he because he had sex with a sixteen year old girl under an assumed name, right? Uh, and then like at the end of it, uh, <laughs> at the end of it, Columbo's like in the car with him, and he says, "Hey, nobody who can sing like that's all bad." <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they often do that. They get they get nicer as the episode goes on. Uh, John Cassavetti's character uh, in his episode is a f- monster. Until the last scene where he's actually kind of like, kind of chummy, like, you genius, you. And then they haul him off to jail. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about, like, Columbo standards or or 
uh, like w- the formula of Columbo. The, the Columbo status quo, yeah. Yeah, because one thing that, that I thought was very strange mm-hmm. about in, in the middle part of the episode, when Columbo is, is at the chemical plant, going just going around and interviewing different people. Mm-hmm. Like he interviews another executive, he interviews a couple of secretaries. Everywhere Columbo goes, Roddy McDowell goes with him and sits in the room with him and is there with him during the interview. Um, is that something the killers on Columbo normally do? Because I thought it was super weird. Not <laughs> always, but I think I think part of this was the way Roddy McDowell's character was and Columbo was probably fine with that because I think by because it is part of the formula where by this point Columbo knew it was him pretty much knew how he did it and he was probably welcoming any chance he had to let the guy just keep digging himself deeper or right. sort of yeah I think that's probably part of it right there. there there were just a couple times where like Columbo would find some evidence and I thought, oh, but Roddy McDowell's right there. Like, he, maybe he's going to try to get that evidence away from him or something. He, he does, actually, in a couple scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just like this very strange thing where, like, you know, Columbo's like, oh, that's evidence. I need to keep that. <laughs> and the guy that he knows did it is standing right next to him. It is really weird to hear a police officer, like, flat out tell, uh, not a suspect, but the, the victim's wife, uh, you know, we, we can't throw anything away. <laughs> We can't throw away evidence. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, you're talking about the scene in, when they're in the little uh, banana splits car. And he's, <laughs> he's reading from that piece of paper that he got out of the trash and McDowell tries to take it from him. Yeah. And Columbo just yeah. shoves it to his own chest. Yeah. And there, there's, yeah. That, there's that part. There's another part where uh, they're in the other executive's office and they open up the cabinet to look at the other cigar box or the cigar boxes that he has. Mm-hmm. And Columbo says, "Oh, lock up that cabinet." Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. Uh, to because we don't want those cigar boxes getting out. We need to keep those in there. And then the other executives just like, "Well, that lock's not very good, and people come in here all the time." <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just like, "Oh, okay." Then that evidence is going. I mean, I guess Columbo actually ends up using that in the end. Oh yeah, right. yeah, definitely. But. I'm watching the scene right now where uh, Columbo has a fistful of silly string, and it is in the hand that he is holding a lit cigar. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm amazed that anyone survived the filming of this episode. That anybody got out of the 70s is pretty impressive anyway. <laughs> yes. well, I actually have a question about the, the structure of Columbo, too. Um, okay. And I guess it, it, it really comes down to one question, which is, is Columbo famous? No. no, not at all. No. Because Within I, I know there's a recurring... Yes, but that's it. Well, there's a recurring gag in the show. Uh, it, it's in all three of the episodes I've seen, so I'm going to assume it's in a lot of them, where at the beginning, Columbo is, investi- like, is at the scene of the crime doing the initial investigation, and the killer doesn't know that he's a detective. Oh, right, right yeah. Uh, which is weird, because he is wearing a detective costume. <laughs> well, that's the that's he's literally wearing a cheap suit and a trench coat. <laughs> that's the problem of Dracula. Have, I, I don't know if you ever talked. Our friend Manning Krull came up with this realization when he was watching the old Bela Lugosi Dracula movie that it's really weird to watch because this dude is dressed like Dracula the whole movie, <laughs> and no one. No one's ever like, why are you dressed like Dracula, you crazy fuck? And he's just 
He's like sitting he's sitting on the edge of a desk in one scene wearing his whole Dracula costume and it becomes impossible to kind of like just see that this is the first time anyone wore that. So yeah, Columbo's wearing the detective outfit, but I think it's we we kind of recognize it because yeah, I've, seen, I've seen I've seen Dragnet. I've watched a lot of Dragnet in my time. Uh, I, like trench coats, trench coats are an established uniform twenty years before this. I'm always or kind of more. taken by the fact that Columbo he looks pretty shabby because he's unkempt, but he often gets mistaken for like a homeless guy. Yeah, and he's he's, he's not food. yeah he's not dirty. He's just ruffled. It uh, maybe there's like, higher standards. But I mean, I still, but my question is like the the swan song is from what season three. I think so, yeah. It's season two or three, and Don's, uh, Don's Early Lights from season two. Uh, and so, like, at the time that he shows up to investigate uh, Johnny Cash and uh, Colonel uh, Sanders, Patrick McGowan, <laughs> uh, Commandant Patrick McGowan, uh, like, he's the guy who has, done, has been in this episode. He's the guy who... Who solved a mystery by faking an explosion on a on a cable car? <laughs> yeah. How do they not go? Oh yes, Columbo, the famous homicide detective. Well, the thing is, I, I mean, I think like in this episode where you know this really, really, really rich lady had called the commissioner and told him he's the best guy. I think within the department, they know he's good, but I think he stays out of the papers. And even within the department, there's other cops who just kind of see him as like this. Ah, oh, that's a weirdo. Columbo showed up again. Always asking us to like go over small stuff again and again. Where a lot of the times the other cops seem kind of annoyed at him a little bit. Yeah, our uh, our favorite recurring cop is Bruce Kirby's character. Yeah, who's in who's Dawn's just, Early Night. Yeah, yeah, he has no time for Columbo. Just every time Columbo opens his mouth, he's like, "Oh God." Yeah. Well, what's what's particularly like, strange about this episode is how much, like, how few other cops there are. Like, <laughs> You see some of the sheriff's department, oh, right. like the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, then they help Columbo out. And then, then yeah. I don't, yeah. if I remember right, like virtually nobody else in the LAPD is there except for that in that one weird scene where Roddy McDowell oh, it's been plants picked up with the, the typewriter, yeah, in uh, Quincy's apartment, yeah, and is down, and there's this like all of a sudden a '70s chase scene. Right, where yes. he's running away from yes. a police car on foot. <laughs> music. And also, you know what? That's something, too. This episode, I really like the music in this episode. There's some, like, really nice cues. And then the whole scene in that uh, club, what is it, Narcissus or Club Narcisse uh, Nar- or something like that? Narcisse, yeah. Club Narcisse, that uh, whole weird sequence where they're at the club, the music's playing, the go-go dancer, and it just cuts back and forth with no dialogue back to the moment of the uncle getting blown up in the car interspersed really weirdly yeah. with lightning strikes across yes. the sky like it's a Frankenstein Light, movie. Or lightning strikes. It's I think, really weird. I think they might be lightning strikes from uh, the opening credits of The Incredible Hulk, maybe. It's, it's just <laughs> it's, like it's, that. It's extra strange because it's like, there's this implication because it keeps cutting to a clock, too. Mm. It, it keeps cutting to a clock, then back to Roddy McDowell, then back to the uncle, then lightning strikes and like stuff weirdly turns red. And the implication there is if I know my, you know, TV crime show shorthand, is that Roddy McDowell is setting off this bomb somehow. Oh, well, no. It just, but he can't. Oh, yeah, that's right. He can't know exactly when it's opened. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, they, they establish early on that it's a timer, and I don't know why they keep showing us the timer. 
Like we we oh, know. Oh no, it's it's not a timer. It's as soon as the box is open and the fuse, it's the chemical reaction takes a very specific amount of time. Yeah. There's no yeah. mechanical aspect it, to it. But you're right. He would have no idea exactly when his uncle would be opening up the box. It also it also doesn't make any difference. Is the weird thing like what if it blew up the second he opened the cigar box, versus thirty seconds later? Uh, well, I, I mean point, the, the only the only reason for any of that is that. Uh, the, the chemical that he puts in the the little tube that the mm. cigar goes in has to be is such a, is like a chemical compound. Like Roddy McDowell, being the super genius, has come up with this chemical compound that would burn away with the burning gas in the car right. when it explodes. So there's no like bomb material evidence left behind. I, right, but it's a, it might be the made of chemical. Well, I mean, but it might be that the, the thing, time thing is just him feeling like he's clever because he invented this thing. I mean, it might just be him showing off to nobody but himself True. that he was able to create this thing and they time it down to the exact second. But then also you need that story device for the end of the episode for him to freak out. Ah, oh, there you go. The first That's... thing that happens in this episode, the first thing that happens, well, not the first thing that happens because it's like after the 24-minute opening sequence... <laughs> Uh, because they have a lot of time to kill in this episode. Like the first thing that happens with Columbo is that he is talking to uh, Roddy McDowell, and like he he notices that he keeps looking at his watch. He does kind of a Sherlock Holmes thing, like he right. calls. But, but a he calls him out on it. Right. Like, yeah. First thing, and then like because because we've already seen the the setup because you know this is the show where they show you who the murderer is and how we did it as the first thing. He. Like it, it, at that moment, it is very clear that Columbo has solved this case. Oh yeah, he knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, and he's got his suspicions up when uh, when he comes and he finds Roddy McDowell coming out of the uh, chauffeur's uh, apartment above the garage, and he's doing he's making that whole show about like, oh maybe I better look in here. I get the impression Columbo already has looked in there. He's already been through that apartment yeah, yeah. probably, and he's just making a big show of it for Roddy McDowell. And he, I think he's already got his suspicions there, and then it kind of clinches it when the dude's nervously looking at his watch during that. That uh, recording on the world's largest answering machine. Yeah, you can yeah. really see Roddy McDowell's genitals at about forty-four minutes into this. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, those pants, those horrible tight it, pants. They are. Ha- I take it you've, you've wow. got that on now, and you're seeing it now. Well, that's great. Yeah, live listening to Chris watching Roddy McDowell's genitals. That's. I'm just. That's, I'm <laughs> playing in the background. Yeah, I know. That Oof. was the, that was the seventies for you, right? Seventies like, a hell of a drug. He is wearing a shirt that is made out of a lady's house dress. Yes. Yep. 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 <laughs> and he it has is. pants that are so tight you can clearly see uh, the Planet of the Apes down there. <laughs> yeah. We were we were talking about oh, Chris. We were talking about those moments. Oh dear. We were talking about those moments where Columbo <laughs> first shows up and meets like the killer or whoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the moment in this one is so weird because Roddy McDowell is leaving Quincy's apartment after having, like, gone in there and checked on everything and maybe planted something. I think he planted the report in the uh, garbage can. Yeah. Yeah. The fake report. And, and uh, like, as he's walking out, Columbo kind of just, like, jumps out from behind a corner and is at the bottom of the steps. Uh-huh. And there's this weird thing where, like, they're each trying to figure out who the other one is. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. And I, I mean, I guess Columbo probably knows who he is, but oh, he's yeah. playing dumb. So, yeah. so Roddy McDowell's like, "Who are you? Are you? You're some weird guy trying to come into this apartment?" <laughs> and Columbo's like, "Oh, uh, who are you? This must be your house, or this must be where you live." 
And there's like a few minutes of them just like not getting who the other person is for a while. Right. And it's like, it's another one of those things where like, if this was a shorter TV show, you wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that whereas Columbo playing dumb say, for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Columbo first thing would say, I'm a police lieutenant. But that doesn't happen. Which I, I think is the law, though. I think that's an excellent point, Chris. That's an excellent point. Yes, it's certainly it's certainly a law he breaks every episode because Columbo loves to take his time. Mm-hmm. You know, get a eats a hard boiled egg, looks for an ashtray. <laughs> well, well the thing where I really time. like certain parts of this show having so much room to breathe, like yeah. when, especially when when Peter Falk is on screen. Like, I mean, we talked about the cable, the first cable car trip, which is just so gratuitous. It's like, it is legit, like four minutes long, <laughs> sequence, which is forever. Uh, and I, but it's so good. Like he's really great at it. And there's so many of these long establishing shots and it's, uh, uh, by the dawn's early light is like that too. There's like, there is legit 10 minutes of Peter Falk's to talk to uh, military cadets who are doing the most awkward run I have ever seen <laughs> in that that's, episode. That's the gymnasium over there? Yeah. yeah. And, he's tr- and that stuff comes back at the end, but if, you know, you can take a razor blade to that script and you can tighten it up quite a bit. <laughs> but I- well, again, it's, a, it's that double-edged sword of, like, having time to do stuff that's really nice, but having way too much time as to fill, too. Like, the... After Roddy McDowell puts on his suit and is like in the office pretending to work, uh, you know, Columbo and the the other executive guy who had the cigars mm-hmm. like walk into Roddy McDowell's office and start basically trying to convince him to come up the mountain with them to his aunt's house. And that scene where they're in the office, like Columbo keeps stalling for time or like saying different things or like you know, kind of just trying to throw Roddy McDowell off. I, they had to come up with six different ways for Roddy McDowell to tell Columbo to get to the point. Yes. He yeah. says that exact thing, I swear, six or seven times. Well, I mean, that, that's like, part of Columbo's character, though. That yeah, you right, said to right, throw yeah. him off is to just get people annoyed and impatient and get more and more frustrated with him because then they just kind of discount him as anybody who's going to actually catch them. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but it, it, seems I mean, like, it seems like half Columbo, like, needling him and half time filler. It, like, is a, it gets really weird right at the end because Columbo is rarely as aggressive as he is in the final tram scene. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where McDowell is flat out screaming at him to shut up. And he's like, ah, oh, just, just a theory. It doesn't even work anymore. Like, look at this. And he just keeps going. It's yeah, slapping it's, it's the cigar not... box and doing all these things just <laughs> to freak him out. And part of me wonders if that's like, is that like a function of this being, you know, season one, episode six? Because it's certainly, there is a far more, like that is, I watched I watched them in reverse order chronologically. So I watched the Swan Song first by the Dunn's Early Light second, which I think is from season two. And none of those has a, by the Dunn's Early Light kind of does, because it involves it involves Columbo commanding a small squadron of children <laughs> uh, at the end. God, it's such a weird episode. But, like, this one, like I said, it turns into Where Eagles Dare. Like, it turns into – it is so intense. Well, you just turned the end of uh, uh, the Patrick McGoon episode into Dark Knight Returns, where Columbo <laughs> and an army of children take to the 
But it's like it's like half where eagles there and half like the telltale heart. It's like yeah. It's it's this thing where Columbo knows that Roddy McDowell knows or thinks he knows what's in that box and he's just trying to get him like trying to push him over that edge. Like I get the sense that I mean it's partially cuz this is his first season and partially cuz Columbo hates him. Oh yeah. Like we you know we just talked about how like eventually like kind of in the end of these episodes Columbo kind of comes to an understanding with the killer. Yeah, sometimes he does. Like the, but yeah. Like, the killer turns out to be an okay person who just did a bad thing. Like, as we were saying, like, Roddy McDowell gets worse and worse. Yeah. Like, he never shows any remorse. He tries to frame people who are innocent. He throws that poor secretary that the nudie pictures exist of right. completely under the bus. Yeah, he, like, t- like, kids, he knows coming into the office, he knows that uh, Roddy McDowell's fired William Wyndham. He knows he sent the secretary packing so he knows what he's doing trying to get mm. rid of anyone who could possibly know and just trying to consolidate his power and yeah and sending sending Anne Francis who was given a terrible role in this episode by the way she's a good actress if you've ever seen Bad Day at Blackrock you know she's a good actress and it, her direction in this it was terrible she's just constantly frantic and acting like an idiot the entire time you took yeah. those you took those pictures of me yeah, she's, she's she's so much better in this. So the director just kind of didn't. Yeah, then sending her packing off to Arizona. Uh, we like that one a lot. Yeah, we're, my wife and I spent most of our lives in Arizona, and it, it's pretty funny to hear somebody who lives near Palm Springs argue that they can't afford to live in Arizona. <laughs> you you could literally, if you have a wagon and five dollars, you could live in Arizona. <laughs> like, oh, I, I don't know if I have the money to live with my mother. <laughs> you think about that climax on the tram is that I don't think there is anything that happens in the climax that would be at all admissible in any court. Like, well, that I kind of think, happens in a lot of... That was a lot. I don't think, like, Roddy McDowell never, like, confesses or anything. Uh, he, he says, this is how I killed him. Like, he just freaks out and tries to throw the cigars out of the tram. It's like... It is it is extremely circumstantial, but I do love that at the end of it he has a good laugh. <laughs> yeah, a good, yeah. laugh, and gives him his national science whatever it is was it national uh, national science fraternity medal. Yep. At the end, the only thing that Columbo really does at the end is create a witness. In, yeah. In William Wyndham. Right. Well, I think, uh, I think at, who, least, at least get the Roddy McDowell to the point where he's just going to end up confessing. He's like, oh, well, he knows exactly how he did it. I mean, it's – Yeah. He's got – there's the motive. There's the opportunity and everything else. It's just a matter of wearing him down to the point where he just says, you you did this. We know how you did it, exactly how you did it. Yeah. I uh, So I, I ended up watching this one maybe a total of six times because we were talking about – Man. I I know. Good but they were – gracious. They dropped so much information during some scenes that I was really losing a lot. So I watched it over and over and at, at one point I decided to watch it for really cosmetic reasons as though it were one of those like black box theater alternative productions of Hamlet. that Roddy McDowell was Hamlet that his uncle had I had to accept that his uncle had killed his parents some of his costumes seem a little like a bad community theater Shakespeare production yeah sure alright and then uh, that helps Anne Francis a lot because she's Ophelia in this yeah so she, uh, if she's so nervous and freaking out, it's because of Ophelia. Oh, 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 hey, hey, the old old guy the old guy working on the car he's uh, maybe the old guy who works in the cemetery there 
Yeah, yeah. There he just helps go. him dig, dig up York. William Wyndham was Polonius, surely. Uh, uh, but it doesn't obviously work. But it did give <laughs> an inter- it's an interesting perspective when you're on wa- when you're on view five of the six times you watch a single episode. Maybe I do remember that part there. of. Uh, of Hamlet where Fortinbras shows up and keeps talking about his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite Columbo lines so far though, too, where uh, it's like, Oh, Oh, the commissioner says you're the best. Oh, is that true? Well, my wife claims I'm second best. Yeah. There's, there's 80 fellas tied for first. Just such a wife develops an acid tongue all of a sudden. Yeah. Now, if I'm, if I'm correct, there was a show called Mrs. Columbo. Yes. And we're going to get to that, but yes. But does she ever? Does Columbo's wife no. ever appear? Nope. No, she never shows appear, up on the show. And he didn't appear on that show. And they stopped calling it Mrs. Columbo after a couple episodes, and they called it Kate Columbo. And then they stopped calling it Kate Columbo. And then they just pretended she was never named Columbo ever for the last couple yeah. episodes, and then it went away. It was this really misguided attempt at a spinoff that they didn't just kind of. I don't know what. Yeah, they they left it alive for two seasons. Good lord. Uh, as Kate loves a mystery, and then pretty much it was gone. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so, but you never like you never see any of Columbo's home life, right? No, like no. he mentions it, but you never like. Do you ever see him talking? Like, do you ever see him at the office, His, or is it always from the perspective of the killer? He's often at the office, or at least every maybe like every fourth or fifth episode. Like in, in a squad room in an evidence room, there's a couple episodes yeah. where he's actually got kind of an assistant kind of guy, like a rookie with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, those will come I've, up later on. I've never seen his desk. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not there. I'm sure uh, we've got readers on the blog who can tell us if it's in there. Because, well, I mean, that's what really got me about the structure of the show, uh, watching a couple episodes, was that I, again, you know, you compare it to Rockford Files, and Rockford is very clearly the protagonist. You know, he's got, you know, there's Rocky, there's Angel, there's Beth, there's you know his whole network of, of regulars. There's uh, there's Becker. Mm-hmm. The, you know, we talked earlier about uh, people who who just seem to hate the protagonist of the show for no reason. There's a lieutenant <laughs> yes. who is always mad, like the fiftieth time that Rockford is brought in on false charges. He's still mad at him. He still <laughs> thinks this is going to be the one, but like. I love the idea of doing the 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 detective show from the point of view of the murderer mm-hmm. because it makes Columbo seem like a like a horror movie villain oh, almost because he's gonna like tighter and tighter that, like, and tighter yeah yeah in the way that Jason is just gonna walk you down like Columbo's <laughs> just gonna walk you down. <laughs> well, it, it, was, it is very much structured so that Columbo is the antagonist. Yeah, it's it's. That's I love yeah. that he never he never shows up in this episode alone. It is like we follow Roddy McDowell's character, mm-hmm. uh, and he's alone a lot, you know, going and forging evidence and doing all this stuff. But it's always he's the point of view character, which is a really interesting setup. And it reminded me a lot of, believe it or not, or not the uh, the Punisher. Oh. Uh, I'm shocked, Chris. That something. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the 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 deal with the Garth and his Punisher is after he, you know, after he'd been on the book for a few years, he he very clearly kind of loses interest. Mm-hmm. Maybe not loses interest in Frank Castle, but loses interest in exploring Frank Castle as a character, and just kind of settles on okay, Frank Castle is 
a, a essentially a force of nature. He is going to show up and, and kill these bad guys. So the stories in Punisher Max shift to this really formulaic structure that's actually really good still, where they're six-issue stories, and the first three issues are, here's why these people have to die, and the second three issues are, here are these people dying. <laughs> uh, and I really, like, Columbo, like, this episode in particular really follows that formula really well, because, I mean, it's, God, it's, what, 15 minutes before Peter Falk shows up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that scene on the tram is the only, I'm almost positive. That's the only time we're following him alone without Roddy McDowell's character. There's a, without anybody else involved in the plot. Yeah. The sheriff, whenever he's accompanied by the sheriff, he's he's by himself, but otherwise you're right. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. He's always in the room. Usually. Oh, interesting. I didn't think about it like that. So overall, really cool. all right. Well, Chris Chris well, Sims no, so, has managed to tie the Punisher to Columbo. So that's, we can <laughs> let me get that Venn get that Venn diagram going. Forever. Give me a second, and I'll get Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do we do have a couple uh, Batman that connects John. Oh well, that was my piece of trivia for you. I thought you'd appreciate it. That according to IMDb, uh, Roddy McDowell is the only actor to have been arrested both by Batman and Columbo. Who was he on? Uh, the book he was the bookworm. The bookworm. Yeah, bookworm. Yeah. That's right. So he's brought to justice by those two heroes of American uh, literature and fiction. <laughs> um, and also, uh, we brought this up originally, asking you guys to do it. Um, there is a connection to the Movie Fighters podcast. I don't know if when you saw uh, the Street Fighter film, if you noticed the editing and how well that was done. But the <laughs> editor of Street Fighter uh, was the director of this episode, Mr. Edward Abrams. His career persevered past the 70s and went on to editing uh, the, the Street Fighter film. So there you go. I can only, ima- I can only imagine, imagine, like, if you've been in the business for, you know, 20-some years, and then you get asked to edit the Street Fighter movie, <laughs> that that isn't, like, some kind of a punishment. Like, like that's It's a gig. It's do. a job. It's cash. Yeah, that's, right. that's what it is. At that point, like, all right, I got a job for a few weeks. All right, good. Yeah, I mean, for for any other any for any other editor, that would have been a, a really an important day of their career. But for him, it was Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> what? All right. Yeah. Okay. What, what time is it? Yeah, I'll get this by lunch. All right. <laughs> Kick in. Whatever. All right. We're done. What's no idea time? if I got that quote even close to right. It's it's Tuesday. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> close enough. Close enough. I think so, I was confusing it with the see you next. So okay. okay. Overall. Uh, what did everyone think of this episode? Good Columbo episode, a bad Columbo episode, somewhere between. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Uh, of the again, I've of your limited exposure. <laughs> uh, to be honest, this is my least favorite of the three. Well, um, you saw. I think fair, largely you because saw some awfully good ones already. Of the three, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like uh, again, I loved watching Patrick McGowan kind of pretend not to be British sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, Johnny Cash playing Johnny Cash. Yes. Playing Johnny Cash murderer uh, was pretty great. Um, but this one, like, even beyond just the, I mean, I like Roddy McDowell well enough. Like, I think he's a fun actor, and I think he does a good job in this part. Like, we, like he definitely embraces how creepy this guy is supposed to be. Like, yes. what a, like, a, a full-on like criminal mastermind yeah, in I, training. In my, in my notes for this, I didn't write the word creepy just about maybe less than I did for the George Hamilton episode, but it's up there. 
The word creepy is on my pieces of paper pretty often, but not as much as that one. But yeah, definitely. But um, I, I feel like the plot gets way too complicated. And I, I, I did love the ending. Like, I really yes. did think the, the, the tram scene was great. And but I thought he was so going to jump out. out of, what's that? I was ready for Roddy McDowell to actually jump out of the tram, actually, at one point. I, I figured maybe he wouldn't, but I, I would not have been surprised if they had oh, yeah. him jump I out thought, of the tram. Like, yeah. I, I legit thought Dude was going to jump to his death, yep. and Columbo like Columbo was going to go above the law on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at the, like at, at the same time, like it felt really out of place. Like it felt, you know, the other two episodes did not end with Columbo locking someone in a room and terrorizing them <laughs> to get a confession, uh, and it it, it just. Again, in my very limited experience, like, is that something that he does often? Because it certainly did not feel like it. I would, no, I wouldn't say he threatens their lives exactly. No. Yeah. But he does, he will trap people in, in different complicated yeah. ways. Matt, what did you think of it with your uh, experience with Columbo? Where was the place for you? Uh, it, it very much reminded me of everything I remembered from Columbo, from. Uh, you know, seeing it at my parents' house, grandparents' house, and you know, talking to my friend Ben about it, like it's, it lined up with everything, at least in terms of like Columbo the character, mm-hmm. and it inspired me to watch more of it on Netflix. So that's, I think, that's an endorsement. All right, I, I'll give I'll give you a comparison. Okay, um, this in the past, like I don't know, maybe five days. I've watched the first episode of Columbo, Columbo I've watched as an adult. And I've watched the first episode I've ever seen of The Closer, starring Keir Sedgwick. Ah. And I cannot think of two more different, like, detective cop shows. Like, ostensibly, they're kind of like the same idea, right? Mm-hmm. There's this great cop who always gets the bad guy and has a reputation in the police department as getting the bad guy but being a little eccentric, and so on and so forth. And But the, the closer was so, like, formulaic and so much a TV show. Like, it felt so much like a TV show that it was funny. Like, I was just sitting there laughing at the closer. Columbo has this, like, cinematic feel to it. While the plot was very complicated i enjoyed it having some nuance to it where it wasn't just like here's the killer here's what they did here's how they figured it out like there were some some things going on where roddy mcdowell was like trying to cover it up in interesting ways even though it got a little convoluted mm. and and even like in the opening scene where like over the credits which are also kind of cinematic we just see like roddy mcdowell our killer like very kind of happily driving around his little weird three-wheeled car around oh, he loves it. chemical plant. He loves motoring around the chemical plant with black <laughs> yeah. soot like belching out of a smokestack at just the right moment behind him, yes. Yeah, he's flipping yeah. like a pancake and popping like a cork. Yeah, and it's just, this, it's just <laughs> this great... It's this great moment where the show gets to breathe and, like, it's so not the closer. And, like, yeah. that makes me absolutely want to watch more Columbo. So I, I, that's a, well, I'd good, that's it a works pretty, then. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good endorsement. The first sample's free. Does Let's anyone on Columbo? Does anyone on Columbo have an accent that is as bad as Kira Sedgwick's on the closer? 
Patrick uh, McGowan in Dawn's Early Night Light. It's I, like, no, that's not bad. It's just, you know, it's inconsistent. Kira Sedgwick's accent is offensive to me as someone who is from the South. <laughs> oh, I could see that. Yeah, I, I it's okay. It's, again, it's hilarious. It's so TV show. It's like she walks in the room and she goes, I know you committed this murder. And I'm <laughs> going to make sure that everybody knows it. Oh, Jesus. That's, that's, Sorry, I missed your that. Best Sorry, I missed that. Matt, Fantastic, Kira Sedgwick. <laughs> uh, John. Yes, sir. How about you? What, what, what say you about this episode? After six viewings, uh, <laughs> yes. I'm Oof. never going to watch it again. It, it has a lot of charm to it, and it, I think it's got uh, a beautifully layered villain. Mm-hmm. And I really like that he gets more and more evil as the episode goes on. Yeah. I, I wish he hadn't been playing it like, you know, a weird sociopath from the beginning, because it would have been more interesting for at least one Columbo episode to have a villain that you think the only bad thing about them is they're happy to murder someone. And that by the end of it, they turn out to be, in retrospect, just an awful human. So it would be neat, neat to see that as a more concise arc. Right. But I, li- I like that arc quite a bit. But uh, I'd rank this one this one fairly high. It's not maybe a 7-8. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, if you don't ask me to do a scale of 10, all I'll do right, a scale all of 10. Right, all right, Andrew all right. Lynn. All right. But no, a 7 or 8 or something. Uh, <laughs> I like I like Roddy McDowell's performance. Yeah, as uh, as as basically a fully dressed Caligula, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's if he could like murder a bunch of dudes. Oh, he'd do in it a, in a boat. He'd do it in a heartbeat. He'd do it. Yeah, he's probably dipped. He's probably killed people in acid at that plant of his. I can't remember what. Oh, like just making them drink wine and then stabbing them. Whatever. Yeah, he would do it. Uh, and I. Uh, you know, some fine Columboing, like running up the stairs and and turning off the light to the apartment and really insincerely saying, "Oh, I'll have to come back and take a look at this place." Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, it's. I think it's a fine episode. It's a seven or eight. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a good one. Um, I think, uh, yeah, that kind of maybe did throw too much in for uh, Roddy McDowell's character, mm-hmm. like all the background with the uncle and having a long history with the blackmail and everything else, and the, his just elaborate. I mean, it seemed like you would have had enough there. Uh, with everything else going on, I thought maybe they piled it on a little bit too much. But the Columbo aspect of it, I, th- I thought it was a fine uh, example of Columbo being Columbo. Uh, and Ron McDowell was uh, good at playing the villain, but um, yeah, I think they just kind of threw in... For an episode that had so many slow parts where you take naps, it threw mm. way too much in somehow at the same time. It was strange. But yeah, like like uh, you you guys said, Chris and Matt May, it's because it was the first season? I'm not sure. And they were still trying to figure out what they want to do with it or formulas, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm okay if, if I don't see this one again for a while. Certainly no six times. <laughs> I just, I was really trying to get all the little details okay. and they were kind of obtuse. Okay. You know uh, what's well, weird though? Yes. How long is this episode? It's like an hour and a half, right? Uh, something around the yeah, something around there. It, it, it feels a lot shorter. Every time I've watched it, it feels like about 45 minutes. Oh, Wow. Well, maybe I should watch it again just to make it feel. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna. One last thing. I was just gonna say, like, I don't know if in any other Columbo thing. I certainly not the things I remember from when I was a kid. Did I ever like think that Columbo, like the bad guy, might just up and try to kill Columbo? They kind I of absolutely gives- thought. I absolutely thought Roddy McDowell might do that. They, they, I, I don't know if anyone's ever tried killing him. There is an episode of the '90s ones. Uh, where it kind of hinges on 
something happening to maybe Columbo's wife, but I don't want to say that oh, no, until we see that uh, one. But yeah, but it, uh, that's, that's an attempt of a murderer to kill Columbo in that one, actually. Yeah, and then he gets his wife supposedly. But well, we'll we'll get to it eventually, probably by a uh, year twenty. Wait, wait, wait! Columbo's so. wife is killed by. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll I don't. Want, we don't want to ruin it for you. We don't you. want to ruin wait, it, but get to Col- it. Columbo's wife isn't an imagined person. Columbo doesn't go home to an empty apartment. And no. talk to an imaginary wife? No, no, no. She's real. Is, She's... Is, Columbo... is Columbo's wife also Diane from Twin Peaks? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Vera from Cheers. Actually, no, you saw her, so that doesn't actually fit. With pie in her face, yeah. Uh, well, you know, before we go, uh, last week we said we have an email address now, like uh, all of the modern podcasts. Uh, Columbo at thecitydesk.net. And we actually received some correspondence and viewer mail. Uh, comes from uh, Lunchbag Art because it's the internet and you get uh, correspondence from people named Lunchbag Art. Uh, they write, Having just discovered Columbo as an adult, I'm glad to have found your show. I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about the episode Double Exposure in Season 3. It's got everything you want from Columbo, a snotty killer who refers to himself as brilliant, outdated 70s tech, and neuroscience, so a little messaging, and to double down the class warfare murder accusation during a golf game. I also love the guest, Mallory Ortberg, and her article from last episode. Thank you, Lunchbag Art. Yeah, we're definitely get that one because we love the Robert Culp as murder episodes. Yeah, that's... Uh, we that's, gotta get to that. We gotta get to one of those soon. That's, that's actually one, one that's, of my favorites. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, that's one of your favorite episodes, so... Yeah, I love With, the uh, So, rest assured, Lunchbag Art, we will definitely yeah. uh, be getting to that one, because that's got some nice, weird stuff in it. Um... Well, we haven't done a we haven't done a culp yet. Either. Yeah, I know. We need to get the Robert. We got to we got to get to it. So. We're going to do a Dabney Coleman before we do a culp. What's that about? What kind oh, of Coleman podcast are we? Oh, jeez. My mom's not going to like that one. She always hated Dabney Coleman. I don't think she listens really? to this anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. Dabney Coleman and um, uh, Martin Mull hated them. That was a kid. Really? Hated. Yeah. Wow. We'll get into it next time. I'll, we'll talk about that next time. Um, well, first of all, I want to thank our guests, uh, Chris Sims and Matt Wilson. Uh, folks want to listen to your podcasts. Uh, where should they go to do so? Uh, the they internet. can go to two different places okay. to listen to our podcast. One is uh, WarRocketAjax.com. That's where you can listen to our show, War Rocket Ajax, which is a comics and pop culture podcast mm-hmm. that we do weekly. Uh, we talk a lot about comic books. We interview comics industry people. And then our other biweekly, or I guess bimonthly podcast is Movie Fighters. That is a, a show where we watch a movie. Lately, we've been watching movies suggested by uh, listeners, by Kickstarter backers, in fact. Um, and we watch, we watch that movie, and then we do a, a synopsis, a recap, and try to come up with a lot of jokes about it. A lot of times, we're <laughs> completely defeated by how bad the movie was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the movies. Yeah, probably. Wait, so but when it first started, though, uh, when it's not doing the ones based on the uh, seriousness of the Kickstarter thing, it, it's... Mostly oriented towards films where there's lots of fighting in them, right? Your your uh, our, yeah, our your Street Fighters, for instance, movies, your Mortal Kombat's, your yeah. things like yeah, yeah, okay. Our first series of movies was based on fighting video games. Are you gonna get back to those once you run through the uh, Money People stuff? Uh, I think we've got ideas for new series. Oh, yeah, we because uh, we had a coming up this... series. Oh, go ahead, Chris. One that's coming up, uh, a theme series that we're going to do is uh, we're calling it Rap Game Movie Fighters, <laughs> where we watch uh, movies starring rappers. Uh, nice. We're going to be watching yeah. Locked, okay. uh, starring we wanna, DMX. We want, we want to do that rapper series. We want to do a series of uh, pulp 
character movies. That's something we've been talking about forever. Nice. We're going to watch. We want to watch the Phantom. We want to watch the Shadow. We want to watch the absolutely terrible 1970s Doc Savage movie. Uh, By the way, God, I get to those eventually. I love the Uh, Shadow so much. That's such a great movie. You know, I do enjoy that one too. That thing does not (laughs) get credit. I enjoyed that thing. No, it does not take itself seriously. It's I enjoy the heck out of that thing. Yeah. Uh, a series that I want to do is called uh, uh, Two Roles, uh, One One Actor, <laughs> which is where uh, we, we watch movies like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Double Impact. Oh, no. Where, uh, which, which, if you recall the trailer, provided you with double the Van Damage. <laughs> well, you know, uh, and, there's a Columbo episode with uh, uh, Martin Landau Mark playing Landau. twin brothers. One host oh, the my God. One hosts the cooking show. Uh, one doesn't, and they murder their uncle. I think it's their uncle or something. Yeah, it's their uncle. Yeah, yeah, they murder their uncle. And, it's and then you guys can also, uh, and the guys are also going to do Mary Poppins, right, for the double Dick Van Dykeage. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something else. Anyway, um, good. Uh, in addition to, to movie fighters and uh, and War Rocket Ajax, uh, I just started a podcast with uh, Jordan D. White. Good lord. Where we watch uh, every single episode of Sailor Moon. Oh boy, the classic 1992 version. Oh, that uh, one. Because oh, I was thinking it was going to be the. I don't know. I have no idea. There's, look, there's a new one. There's a new one called oh. Sailor Moon Crystal that's new for this year. Oh, okay. that is not what we are watching. All right. Uh, but we've had. Uh, I think we're four episodes into that. We've had a couple of guests on the show. Uh, Juliet Khan and uh, Betty Felon were on the show. Oh. it's a it's a real good time. We we our our most recent episode was the one where uh, uh, Usagi goes on a weight loss kick. So we had to break down society. To talk about how problematic that episode was. <laughs> so, say I, that was all just mouth noise. No, I, I, just, no I, was hearing, I was hearing, I was hearing pops and buzzes and static. I don't know what any of that meant. I don't know what any of that meant. I never got. But uh, where, would, where would we find your uh, your Sailor Moon? Podcast? Oh yeah, where's that? Uh, that's on the name of the podcast is actually Sailor Business. Uh, and it's available on iTunes and at wax-work.com slash sailor. Oh, okay. And speaking of where you can find podcasts, you can find episodes of Just One More Thing, New or Old, at thecitydesk.net slash just one more thing, or the podcast section of iTunes. Go right into the TV film section. We're right in there. Uh, we also have a Tumblr where John posts uh, the new episodes and uh, great screenshots of each episode. That's uh, teamcolumbo.tumblr.com, like you said before. Um, you can write to us. Comments, questions, what have you. Columbo at thecitydesk.net. That's the show. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Just one more thing. Well, that's the show for this week. Uh, I want to thank you very much for listening. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. And if you have to die, I hope you die of old age. <laughs> Sorry, no, just, should we use that? Should we? Should we use that? That was what a cheery, strange well, thing that's to line. say. I thought like maybe that's a good that's a good end line from the no, last one. But now I'm thinking fine. like maybe not. We'll we'll bring that up next time. How that was morbid and stupid and terrible. Did you? Yeah. Do you do you do you run? Are you going to run music under the closing? Well, yeah, I always do. It's the uh, mystery mystery movie theme, yeah.
Oh, not like not add. I mean, like under under your under the the dialogue for that, because that'll help soften it a little bit. Well, yeah, a little bit underneath there. <laughs> yeah, maybe that wasn't the best. 